That is so true. A week that changed the world. This is the beginning of something new and, and that the world had never seen before. And it was about Christ coming to his own. And, and I was thinking about a, the Roman rule at that time. They, they controlled everything. They taxed everything. They, the, the Jews were always under their obedience. And, and so it was always a headache. It was always a heaviness on them, uh, even in their town of Jerusalem, where they should have liberty and should have the freedom to, to live and operate and worship and give and all the things as they should. But that's where this situation with Jesus played into the, took, oh boy, I'll get it out here in a second, I shall, Matthew 21, this donkey ride would change everything, has anybody ever had a donkey, has anybody ever rode a donkey, I, we used to have a donkey, if Brother Cooper was here, he would, he would love this story. Uh, donkeys are not really easy to persuade to do things. They're just not. They're kind of independent and kind of hard-headed and kind of thick-skulled and all those things. And, and we went out here to, a, uh, to the farm, was moving him from one place to another. And, and uh, I thought, well, I'll just walk out to him and pick him up. And uh, one who was there, I was just so happy she didn't have her phone on that day. It was a, a blessed time. And... and I got a hold of this little donkey, just a little bitty old thing. And I leaned over him, and I got on top and to pick him up. I was going to try to pick him up, and he flipped me over. I was laying there in the dirt like a helpless human that I was. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But donkeys were not a pleasant ride. They're not something everybody wakes up in the morning and goes, oh, man, I want to ride a donkey today. A lot of you people like to ride horses, and you think, you talk about the different kind of horses, a quarter horse or a, a, a gated horse or something that's a little smoother, it'll jar your brains out, and, and that's one thing. But riding a donkey is completely different. <clears throat> but this donkey ride was going to change everything. <clears throat> and when they drew to Jerusalem, they would come to Bethpage and to the Mount of Olives and then sent Jesus his two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied in and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will loose, and he will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon a donkey, and the coat of a foal of a donkey. Whew, that's a hard one. You've got to be careful with that. <clears throat> Verse 6. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and the coat and put, them on, put their clothes on them and, they, and set him thereon. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a minute. Why donkey? You may wonder, you may think it's because it was poor. They didn't have a lot of cash on them. Maybe, maybe it was a donkey showed a, uh, a lot of different things. But there was a reason why there was a donkey. It was prophesied about first and foremost. But let me tell you some other reasons. There's a, a donkey in, in the mix. <clears throat> the donkey represented humility. The Christ came and his coming was humble. It wasn't any, anything that everybody was, uh, it wasn't widely broadcast and everybody was so excited and there was a massive uh, group of people amount, uh, surrounding him that would, that would up, um, try to start a rebellion. I'll find the words, just give me a minute. To, to try to start a rebellion, but he sat there in their life, the Lord was in their life to do a new thing. But when a king would come into a country, 
If he, would, if he chose to come into a country, uh, but then he had peace of mind, he had direction in his life, and he hadn't want, wanted to compromise in his life, he would come into a, another kingdom riding upon a donkey. But if a king came into a country riding upon a horse, he had a totally different objective. Everything he wanted to accomplish was totally different. Just the beast he was on changed his persona, changed his attitude, changed his intentions for coming there. Does that make sense? You better believe it does. If you're going to come in there, we'll get to it in a little bit. If you want to come in there to take over, you come riding on a horse and a lot of people with you. Jesus came riding upon a donkey and nobody really with him. We saw in the video we just watched about people throwing their blankets out and, and palm branches and for him to ride, ride across. And, and I never really thought about it. I always thought of it, you know, there's a few people scattered around and people were gathering and throwing stuff under him for him to ride upon. But why were they doing that? Why were the people really excited about Jesus coming? Because they'd heard stories. Heard stories of his Wisdom and his leadership and his, and his divineness and, and the healings and, and all the things that took place in his life. And how long, and how long they had been under the oppression of, of the Roman rule. And, you know, up until, up until Christ had been 400 years of silence, there'd been no word of the Lord and no direction from God in any way. And there'd been a long drought, a long spiritual famine had been going on in Israel. And so the, the church that was there was really religious and the scribes and Pharisees and let me stop here. This morning was a, a brief encounter with the Lord. A lot of people at that time had never experienced any presence of the Lord, never experienced an, an encounter in, 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 any, in any shape, fashion, or, or anything else. And so they were looking at Christ as the one that came to fulfill and, and they came from the lineage of David and he was going to set up his kingdom and it would never end. And they thought they would rule forever. And they were so excited. So excited. A new era of faith instead of religion. People are tired of religion. With that said, I'm going to say this. You can go to church all your life and you can say the right things all your life and, and you can learn how to do the right things, but you can become uh, unflexible in your delivery and in the purpose of your delivery. And so what happened, Jesus came and he upset a lot of people because of the way he presented things and he presented the truth and it made them feel uncomfortable because they had always followed a law, a very six, uh, a very uh, set rule, uh, list of rules. A new era of faith was coming. Something was different. Religion had been so distasteful. But Jesus brought an excitement to the people, both as a king and a king of faith. The people had been so in such a drought of, of so many things but Jesus came in to give a little bit of hope. And could you imagine in America? And I know there's a, a lot of corruption. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. But you, could you imagine in America if we saw someone coming to America? And you see a, a, a big scale of this. Just say in downtown Dexter, you saw someone come in. He was speaking similar to Billy Graham. But he came in and people would just flock to come and hear him. And that's exactly what had happened to all the religious people. All the other people were offended. 
Let's read on. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes went before them and they followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the, name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means to deliver us. They were looking for a deliverer. They had been under the oppression of, of so many other people. And, and, and you know, throughout the history of the Jewish people, they were always under oppression of someone. They were looking for someone to come and make all their all their life's better and their, their, their emotions better and their people better and their people have better direction in their life. And that's what they were thought Jesus was going to do. In your life, and you come in here and I come in here, we give him everything we have, who we are, what we've done, we surrender all before the Lord. But it's amazing How much were like the Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish people? They wanted, a, they wanted a Savior to come in to take all their problems away without doing any of the sacrificing of their own. Ever wonder, ever wonder why there were certain people always drawn to the Lord? Who was drawn to Jesus? I began to think about a variety of people that were drawn to him, and people that I couldn't help but they just seemed to migrate his way. And, and the first one was a prostitute. Who would have ever thought a prostitute would be drawn to him? But he was, she was. Her name was Mary Magdalene. And then the tax collectors. A tax collector wasn't looked on very highly and, and Zacchaeus went out of his way and climbed a tree to see the Lord. Bartimaeus sat by the, sat by the side of the road crying out to the Lord and he, he heard him and he brought him to him. The wealthy and the proud, the rich young ruler. He was so good in all the outward things, but he wasn't good on the inside. And the religious people, Jairus, were even drawn to him. And the thing about him, he accepted them right exactly where they were. And Jesus represented something of hope that so many times we don't get very often. And in this, in this situation, the people were looking for hope they never had. When he came to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Galilee. Something about him, everybody thought that it finally it happened. He was going to get the king, and, and he was coming to a place, and really disappointed at the, end, at the end of it. You know, how many knows what flattery, what flattery is like? I've said it a thousand times here. Flattery is like perfume, it's to be smelled, not swallowed. When Jesus came riding in, and he came riding on a, on a donkey, and he rode into town, and people were all over about, you're, you know, how great he was, he's the Messiah, you're the healer, you're the, you're the deliverer, all these things. He didn't take it too much to heart, but it took it to heart enough to know that there, there was some genuineness in it. But to some of the same people that were the ones saying good things about him were the, thing, were the ones who turned on him just five or six days later. I could go to John chapter 8. I mentioned someone who's a prostitute, tax collector, someone who's poor, wealthy, religious. 
they're accepted of him. And actually, they're accepted by us. It should be. But I want you to know something he said very profound here because this is the the theme and this is a a truth that was paramount throughout his whole life. Chapter 8 and verse 11. Verse 10 and 11. And Jesus had lifted himself up, and when he saw the woman, which saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? And no man condemned him. And he said, No man, Lord. She said, No man, Lord. And the Lord said unto her, What did he say? This was, this, was a, this was everything about what he consisted of. Everything about his life reflected this. And he said, neither. He said, go and sin no more. And then he said one more thing. It's just as profound. Oh, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And now I'm, I can't believe how often we in the church and, and people accept just anything in, in the doors. and Well, they'll accept anything in the doors, but anything into their life. And he didn't give us a pass on every little thing in, in, we're dealing with in, the, in, the, in this life. Let's stop here for a minute. I'm going to pray. <clears throat> this is Palm Sunday. This is about a, a Lord coming to this place and, and, and everything being different. Father, you know our mind. You know what's going on in my mind and, and the hesitation I have in speaking. Lord, I ask you to give me liberty to think, liberty to think, and liberty to speak. Not that a man will ever receive any glory or anything else, but Lord, that lives can be changed because of the goodness of Christ. Amen. Everything in, in his life was, <clears throat> was about reaching out to those that are, that are not reachable. Religion is all about what you can do, Jesus is all about what you, religion is all about what you can do, can't. And Jesus is about what you can do, about the possibilities. About the possibilities. He came into this place and he came into Jerusalem to bring hope to a group of people that had none. And have direction that they never had. I'm sure they were having parties and everything else and it wasn't uh, uh, like a rebellion party would have when somebody wins the NCAA tournament like, who won it this year? Virginia or something like Kentucky if they wanted. They didn't go in the streets and create a havoc, but they would get together and rejoicing because there was hope because of the possibilities that could come into their life. I want to stop here because a lot of times we, we forget really what Christ represented when he came into the earth was he established something from there on. And he has established the kingdom from then on. For 2,000 years, he's been faithful, and he's still doing things in the lives of people. And I don't care what your background is. It doesn't matter what has it's, it's kept you bound up and whatever you, maybe you're known by. Is that something that needs to continue to be prominent in your life? Go to Matthew 21. We're just there. Come as you are, Holy Spirit, guide and convict you. A lot of religious people look right, smell right, but not willing to bend 
the religion to reach the lost. Man, I remember a few years ago, maybe 20 years ago, if you walked in in any way into a church with any kind of makeup, or, well, I'm going to say that. Uh, hmm. I'm not going to say it. There's a lot of things that go on today that didn't go on then that it's nothing more but the superficial out on the outside. And people would, at one time, with all of us who were so religious at that time, they were not accepted. Go to Matthew 21, verse 15. This is immediately after Jesus walked in and all the people had, had said so many things and called him Hosanna, spare us, uh, Lord. And verse 12, he says, And Jesus went into the temple and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the temples of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, and you have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame and came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things he did, and the children are crying in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They were sort of displeased. He was everything that the church was not. Everything becomes so contaminated with all this, with all this religion, they didn't have any effectiveness. And you and, my, you and me in our life and, and where we live, we can look so good on the outside, and we need to be as equally as good on the inside. Jesus moved his indignation Sometimes there's been a spirit of indignation and frustration come over me when I, would, when I would see things happen that weren't right. And, but he was a public display of, his, display of his righteous indignation. And John chapter 2 is another passage. It was in the beginning of his ministry that he went in. It was a, the Passover weekend. And why, why would they have animals and stuff in there in the temple anyway? I don't know why. But that's where people had to find access and, and they had to have sacrifices and, and animals and stuff that they sacrificed to the Lord for their offerings. And they were, it was a market. It was, a, it was a playing on the people's uh, needs, I guess you would say. In John chapter 2, it says, uh, he went in there and threw over the money, take, took over the money table. Oh. He threw over the tables of the money changers. He went in there and just wreaked habit, havoc upon all of them because his integrity was the same. The people saw him as one way. Then when he went to church, he was yet the same. Um, are you all right? This is a difficult time in which he lived. He went there for a variety of reasons. I want everybody to just be quiet just for a second. I don't hear everybody else because my mind can't handle with distractions. Verse 14, miracles were happening because of him. Verse 15, the chief scribes and, and priests saw the same things that was happening and the kids were crying. And I began to think, what is it about the Holy Spirit? When we were here worshiping earlier, we had people standing, we had people crying, people raised their hands. I don't know what all went on, but there's something about his presence when he begins to move amongst the people. And the people were drawn to him. 
when he was in the temple, there's all kinds of people. And I don't think these were people that were there all the time. I think they were there because there was something in the house. There was something in the, in the place that normally wasn't there. Luke 19. Verse 41. When he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. You know, Jesus went through so many things that week, but, but even when he came, he began to weep over the city because he saw the, he knew what they expected. He saw the, the disruption of, amongst the people and, and the disharmony that was among them. Saying, if thou knowest, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this day, the things, the things which belong to unto, unto thy peace, but they are hid from my, my, thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thy enemies shall trench about thee, and compass thee round about, and keep thee on every side, and lay. And shall lay thee even with the even with the ground, thy children within, and shall not leave a stone upon one another, because they knew it's not the time of the, of the visitation. Let me explain what was going on. Jesus gave he began to weep over the city. And he saw something in the spirit that he knew would come to pass in about 30, 38 years would come to pass upon Jerusalem. And he began to weep and he thought about if they don't have the right direction, if they don't have a right uh, uh, stamina in their life, they've had so many disappointments, generation after generation after generation, they were so disappointed. If he doesn't get this across to them, if his disciples don't continue to, to get the right word to them, the people will be aimless and they will be like without any direction. The thing that's important about this scripture, verse 44, the last part of that. Because thou, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. For times will come when your enemies will be all around you. And you want life overtake you. Prophecies about Jerusalem and the destruction in 70, 70 AD, 38 years later. The future church, the future children. Leveled and destroyed. Very few plan for the future. Very few plan for the future. I believe the Lord wanted to get this across, that they, were, they had to plan, they had to, they had to get things in order in their households, but they didn't do it. Many failed to plan, and they wonder why things happened. And I want to say something to you. Were we aware of a visitation when it was there? You know, we can have great worship and we can have great things that happen and, and have a great word broke to us regardless of the guy breaking it. But if we let everything else choke out the truth, the truth of this word. In your life, it doesn't matter that Jesus came. 
and they'll lay the palms in front of him. And the people cried, Hosanna. None of it really mattered if you don't celebrate and you don't take the time to recognize. Because I know it's not the time of that visitation. Go to Book of, book of John. I'm going to close in just a moment. back if you can. <clears throat> so far we've seen all the disciples gathered around. They got the donkey, walked in. He got on the donkey, brought it from Bethany. Well, let me speak a little bit about Bethany. Uh, it isn't a person, but it was where Jesus was before he took the trip. And there was someone who lived in Bethany and it was, it was a brother and two sisters People knew the importance of Christ. They were a pretty poor family. They lived in Bethany. It was known as a suburb of Jerusalem. It was known to be a, a, not a very uh, eloquent or a very fluent uh, society. Kind of like um, uh, a town that's went downhill, and they'll take you offense to this. But years ago, Bell City was a happening place. But today, Bell City is not happening as much. So don't get mad at me if you're from there. Don't mad at me, Natasha, okay? And there's some others probably from there. <laughs> but back in the day, that was, oh man, it was amazing. They had two tractor dealerships, they had gas stations, they had all this stuff going on in that city, and it was huge. But because of the change of things in the future, businesses began to leave and began to diminish, and, and they couldn't support all these businesses that were, that were once there. It's the same way in Bethany. It's on the outskirts, and, and it wasn't really the place to be, but that's where Jesus was. And this is where he was before he walked into this, walked to the city. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Now, six days before the Passover was six days before the sacrifice of, of the, the lamb and of all the animals and that stuff to take that took place during the, the Passover. What is the Passover? Passover was a thing in the Old Testament that the angel, the Lord moved upon Israel, and uh, not Israel, but upon Egypt, and a death angel came, and, and uh, they applied blood to the doorposts of their house, and so they were spared. And we're approaching this uh, annual event as well now. And it was six days before. So it was like, this was Sunday, the week before. Passover from Bethany, from Lazarus, where Lazarus had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment, a spikenard, a very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped, the feet of his, wiped his feet with, with her hair. And the house was filled with odor of the ointment. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, son of son of Simon's son, which should, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? He said unto him, then he said, not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put in. And Jesus said, let her alone against the day of my burial, burying as she had kept this. For the poor you always have, but why? 
but have me not always. He was trying to, this is the end, and he had been telling the disciples and different people he was going to be crucified, he was going to be killed, and, and they never did really grasp it. They never got a, a, a good hold on it. But what was it about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? They took time in their life and they prepared their hearts. And they did something sacrificial. Mary took the spiker, broke it, and poured it upon him, and, and I know anointed him for his burial. But what did Lazarus do? Lazarus took the time to sit and listen to him. Just listen to him teach. Listen, listen to him talk about the different things, that, the truths they begin to share. And then Martha, what did she do? She prepared. Let me tell you something. Don't get disheartened because you hear bad stuff about Martha. Some unique things about Martha that, that some people don't have. She had some qualities that Mary didn't. And some of you have qualities of Martha. And some of you have qualities of Mary. And some of us have qualities of Lazarus. But if we don't do something with them, we don't take the time and we don't recognize that the day of his, uh, his day of We don't recognize our opportunity. We're going to waste our talent. Everything about Passover was about sacrificing Jesus, what he put up with, and all that he went through. And he threw over the money tables and the money changers and, and threw the money around, all that, because it was, it was the right thing to do. But in many of your lives, and you may never see anything like that happen, but you can see the life of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus thought about so many of us how we miss opportunities and we still miss opportunities because we don't want to put ourselves out missing a visitation you see Jesus came in riding on a donkey because it represented peace and nothing offensive I'll read something to you in Revelation Chapter 19. And also heaven opened. Behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And his right and in righteousness he does doth he judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written, and no man can no man knew but himself. But he was clothed in a vesture dripped dipped in blood and his, and his name was called the word of God all of this is about a, an ending out here an ending what happened seven years could cut him in five years it could but the same way, way Jesus came in a lot of people were were not expecting him it's the same day it happened with us. Same way it happened with us. We can be as Mary and Martha and Lazarus.
Jesus. I ask you to help us. Lord, I ask you to speak to individuals. We don't miss our appointment with you. We see the grandeurness of the, the wonderfulness of his coming in. And many people missed it. Judas Iscariot missed it. He was right in the middle of it. He heard it all the time. He never responded.